Good morning. Some people have dogs. Keep them comfortable. I'm going to use this stand right here. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor for me to be with y'all here today. Not taking the place of our pastor, but just helping us move on through the series that he started, I think, I think this is week eight, Exist to Exalt. Of course, I'm going behind a lot of giants, right? I mean, these guys that came before me. I, you know, I don't know why it worked out that way. I would have preferred to go on the front end, you know, to kind of get it over with. But this is the way it worked out. The Lord's got a plan. But this is part three of how can we exalt God. Started a couple of weeks ago. I think Jonathan was the, the first part and then Jeff had last week. And this is the final part of how we can exalt God. Then I think there's a couple more weeks after. Wrap up our series, Exist to Exalt. Anybody know what tomorrow is? Federal holiday? Columbus Day, is that what you said? Yeah, Columbus Day. You know, Columbus, he gets kind of a, uh, a bad rap these days. But um, it is a federal holiday, and we still recognize it. I know the banks are not going to be open. Post service is not going to be running. But there's some, there's some reasons why the country chose at some point to uh, celebrate, I think it's the second Monday of, of uh, October as Columbus Day. And I'm going to give you just a little brief history in a way to kind of move us in to the sermon. So in the early morning hours of October the 12th, 1492, and 10 weeks after setting sail from Spain, the lookout aboard the Pinta, the ship Pinta, shouted, land, land. Columbus was the first person after dawn that day to set foot on the island that he would later name San Salvador, meaning Holy Savior. All of the crew members from each of these three ships, y'all remember them, there was the Santa Maria was the flagship, there was the Pinta and the Nina. They all knelt in the sand that day on the beach with tears in their eyes as Columbus led them in prayer. And I want to read to you his prayer. This is his prayer. O Lord, almighty and everlasting God, by thy holy word thou hast created the heaven and the earth and the sea. Blessed and glorified be thy name, and praised be thy majesty, which hath deigned to use us, thy humble servants, that thy holy name may be proclaimed in this second part of the earth. Now, some of these words that he used are synonyms to our word exalt. The, the word that we've been highlighting or the idea of the Christian life of exalting God, that those words were used in his prayer. I don't know if you heard them. They were words like praise, majesty, things like that. Psalm 99.5 has been our focal verse. Of course, those first five verses of Psalm 99 is the passage, but the focal verse has been our, the verse 5. It says, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Columbus understood something about that. We're going to move on because we need to talk about, we need to talk about us, right? We need to talk about how we fit in. How can we exalt God? But see, as I studied this, and I had a long time to study. I've been studying this for over two months now since Jeff charged us and, and asked us to bring a message. So I've been, I'm on the tail end of it, so I've had a lot of time to think about it. And I, I need to think about things. I guess it's just the way God made me. I got to start on a pretty low level and work my way up to some point, right, of understanding. So that's kind of what I've done, and that's kind of how I want to 
portray it to you today, starting on possibly the lowest level, maybe not, but at a pretty low level of what does it mean to exalt? How do we, as his creation, exalt God? So that's where I want to start. Exalt. I typically like to define the word to start with. So to exalt, and and we've already heard this definition from the guys that came before today. But exalt means to hold in very high regard, to lift up. Y'all remember. Synonyms would include words like glorify, praise, worship, and magnify. There's something else I discovered. Everything that was created by God was made with the express purpose of exalting him. Everything. Everything that was created. I learned that through studying the scriptures that tell us that. Express purpose. What does it mean we hear that terminology at times? That is the primary or first reason why. Our primary reason or primary existence and reason for our existence is to exalt God. That goes along with every other part of creation. Let me prove that to you using God's word. Psalm chapter 150, that's the last psalm. I think it's the last verse of the psalm says this. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Remember that word praise is another word for exalt. So how can this happen? How does creation, if you want to call that the lowest level, exalt God? Well, I have the example of of a pig that we're raising for pork at the house. Now, I don't have a name for her. I just, I call her Little Piggy. That's kind of what I call her when I'm out there talking to her. So, but, but I want you to understand this about, I got a picture of her too, by the way. We got that picture, guys. Can y'all see her? That's an up close and personal shot. The jewelry I, I gave to her. And uh, so that's another story. How does a pig exalt God? Well, I want to say this. It's, it's innate. That means It was built into them by the creator to do what they do. On occasion, I let her out, out of her pen. It's better to keep them in a pen. They grow faster. You get the picture. But every now and then, I let her out. And and she loves to be out, okay? The first thing she does is she finds the closest puddle of mud and water. And she coats herself from head to toe. That's what pigs were made to do. It's built in. You understand where I'm, where I'm going? Here's the other thing that I learned. Pigs are a herd animal. That means they like to have others like them around. Well, I have only one pig. I only have one. So there's not a lot of company for her. But guess what she does? She gets around others. We have chickens. We have a calf. We have a dog out there. And I got a, a short video clip that shows you how these animals do and how they do what they were built to do, right? It's built in. It was built in, into them by God. So show that video for us, guys. They're having fun. See that? Look at that. They chase each other. It, it, it might look kind of rough, but it's not. They, they really see the dog's tail is wagging most of the time. But that's what these animals were created to do. So I, I just wanted to start by making that point that everything that exists that's, that was created by God was created for the purpose of exalting him. They do what God made them to do. Psalm 19 verses 1 through 3. Turn, turn with, uh, with me to that. 
Psalm chapter 19. It's one of my one of my favorite Psalms. Psalm chapter 19, if I can make it there. Verses 1 through 3 says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. You see where I'm going? Even those things that are inanimate, the clouds, the stars, the mountains, they, they spill forth language that everybody can understand. Not only those breathing things, but even those created things that are not alive. It's in, they're, they're inanimate. They're not breathing. They're not alive. But they yet, they proclaim God's glory. They're made by God to point people towards himself. It's an example uh, in, in Romans chapter 1 of this. Paul writes, Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen from what has been made. People look at creation, and if they're honest with themselves, they can say, I know that a God exists. See, even the creation that can't speak words that we understand with our ears, with our language, speaks a language that is pouring out to all the world. What has been made? Creation. Who has seen it clearly? That's talking about man. We have seen it clearly. All man has seen it clearly. Why is that? So that men are without excuse, it says in Romans chapter 1. Excuse for what? For not honoring, for not exalting God. We don't have an excuse not to exalt God. But here's what we do have. We have a choice. You see, we're the only part, besides angels, we're the only part of creation that was made with a choice. We have a choice as to whether we are going to exalt God with our lives, with our words, with our walk or not. When we don't, if that's the target, right, if the target is exalting God with everything we do, then anything other than that would be called missing the mark. We miss the target because the target is exaltation. So when we miss the mark, what else do we call that? Call it sin. It's called sin. So this, this is cool, and I just want to kind of develop this a little bit more. There's an example of one of God's creatures that was created with the purpose of exalting God simply and only with the words they utter over and over again. Not a creature with a choice, but a creature that only speaks words in exaltation of God all the time. That's recorded in Scripture for us in, in Revelation chapter 4. And I love this. Somebody pointed this out to me years ago, and I go back to it often to remind myself how holy and how mighty God is. Look at Revelation chapter 4. We're going to read verses six through eight. It says also, now this was, this was John the apostle who was allowed entrance into the throne room of God when God did that for him so he could see and understand something about who God is. And this is what it says. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Now listen to this. 
day and night. They never stop saying. That means they're doing it now. They were doing it then. They've been doing it since God created them. They never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God is great, and he deserves exaltation. He deserves, deserves praise and worship, and he has creatures that he created with the purpose of saying that he is holy 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Mankind, however, was made also with the purpose of exalting God in every way all the time in every task, and every action. However, we were the only part of creation, like I said, besides the angels, that was given a choice. Dr. Caroline Leaf, a cognitive neuroscientist, in her book, The Perfect You, says, He, that is God, does not force us to love and serve Him. He designed us as intelligent, unique reflections of His glorious image, free to choose how we want to live our lives. He took a risk giving us free will, but love inherently involves risk. Some of, us, some of us might say God took a risk, but see, that's how it is with love. You see, God knew before he created us that when he created us with a choice, that there would be some that would not love. So yeah, there is a risk. You know that if you're in any relationship at all. You give yourself, but there's no guarantee that it's going to be coming back to you. You see... There is a risk involved with love. See, love is the key here. Remember this. When you turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 2 now, we're going to talk some more about that, that choice that was given to us as a, a mankind. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 say this, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from the tree, from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Of course, there's consequences to every sin. But the scripture makes it clear here that we have a choice whether we're going to obey God or not. See, and, and Jesus made it clear that the love language of God is obedience. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. They had a choice. They would either exalt God in their decisions or not. They really only had it was pretty simple for them. They had one thing that to, not to do, and they chose. We know how they chose. And it set us on a path in God's sovereignty. He knew that that path would lead us all to making our own choice, right? And then our choice becomes something totally different, not a tree, but a Savior, right? So and we're going we're gonna to get further into that here in a bit. But they had a choice, and then we have a choice. We have the, the same choice, and essentially, Obey or not. They missed the mark, right? They sinned. We missed the mark also when we don't exalt God with every choice we make. Every waking hour, this occurred to me, every waking hour, every sleeping hour. You know, we're required even to have a certain amount of sleep in a day. I thank God for that, just to stop for a while. But we're required to have that certain amount of sleep a day so that we can function correctly throughout the day. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So even, even to lay our heads on the pillow on a, on a regular basis is a way we exalt God. What are some of the ways we can exalt God? There's two main ways, and I'm sure there's a, maybe some more, but I kind of broke it down into two categories here. We exalt God first, and I've already touched on this, 
by loving him. Matthew 22, verses 36 and 37. Y'all turn with me there, please. Matthew 22, verses 36 and 37. Now, this is uh, Jesus in, in reply to one of the Pharisees' questions. And his question was, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Of course, we know they were trying to trap him in a way. And, and here's, here's what uh, Jesus replied. In 36, it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus made it pretty clear what our first and number one way we exalt God is, is to love God. We exalt God by choosing to love him, and we love him by choosing to obey, right? John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then number two, second category, and this is where we're going to get more practical. We exalt God by loving others. And we know that in, in John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we know that that's the second greatest commandment, right? To love others, right? So we see then it becomes more relational. It's, it's this. It's, it's our vertical relationship with God. We love him first, and through that, we love others. And he makes it very clear. Turn with me now to Romans chapter 12, and we're going we're gonna to park there for a little while. Romans chapter 12, and hopefully we're going to bring it down to a, a place where we can really understand it and, and understand how we can live by it. We're going to read verses 9 through 13, and it says, Starting in verse 9, chapter 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It goes on. So what I'm getting ready to get into is by no means exhaustive, but he gives us some real practical ways that we can relate and love others, but in that way we understand we exalt God, right? All of these are expressions of our love. They're expressions of our love to others. They're expressions of our love to God. There are four ones that I picked out, very practical. Number one, we exalt God with our time. Look at verse 10. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Devotion requires time. We give time by devoting it to others, right? Devotion takes time. There's something about it that devotion that should be enthusiastic. For example, when I get to work in the morning, I can say, hey, Jonathan, good morning. And I can just walk through. Or I can go up to him and say, hey, Jonathan, good to see you this morning, man. Good to be here. It may not be great to be here, but Glad you're here with us. You know, we can, we can have some enthusiasm about it. We can devote a little bit more time. You see, it's hard in the day-to-day -day life to slow down enough to devote time to people where it should be devoted, right? You see, work is there. Yeah, and we all need to be taking part in that and doing it. And part of that is, is a way we exalt God also. But when we devote time to others, then we show love, right? So... We exalt with our time. We devote it to others. We, we show loyalty. We show enthusiasm. When, when we're too busy to stop, 
we've cast people aside, and there's no devotion there. Devoted time takes time. We practice hospitality. How many ladies like to entertain people at their home? Not a lot, see? <laughs> Some people do. But here, here's, here's what it says here. And, then, and don't, don't get me wrong. This is not just for the ladies, but it applies to all of us. It says practice hospitality. It takes time to practice hospitality. We have to prepare. We have to be nice. We have to try to smile. We have to try to make people feel welcome. And we don't always feel like that. But it tells us right here that when we practice hospitality, we're showing love to one another. We're, we're letting people know that they are welcome, that they, they are valued right? Take time. How can we exalt God? Number two, we exalt God with our talents. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I think about an old friend of mine. He's the preacher down in Esther, Louisiana. Y'all know where Esther is? It's, It's like between Abbeville and Intracoastal, between a little something and not much of anything. It's in the middle. That's where Esther is. And he retired. He was a preacher in Cameron Parish. He left Cameron 25 years ago, retired, and went to Esther. And he's 92. He's devoted. He has never lost his zeal. You see, we should never get too old to the point where we're not willing to serve and love others in what he, God, has given us to do. I think some of y'all can probably relate to this. Some of y'all are a little bit older. I, I know your story, Miss, Miss uh, Joanne. You just related it to us here a little while back. You wondered, where, where am I in life now, God? I, I'm getting to an age. It's a little harder maybe to do things. But you wanted to know, what do you want me to do? And see, that's all it takes is a willing heart, obedient heart. And God's ready to use. He's ready to use. I think of Brother Primo, never too old. But hey, here's the other side of it. Never too young. Some of you, some of you guys are, are young. Y'all, y'all are still not even full grown. But yet God is ready and, and willing and wanting to use you also. Always full of zeal. Never giving up. Never stopping. Never slowing down. There's no retirement in God's world. See, see we all look forward to the point where we can just slough work off and, and not do anything anymore and rest and fish and hunt all the time. And you know what? God said that's not exactly how it works. You see, you can retire from your job, but you never retire from being a servant. You never retire from exalting him. Never too young, never too old. There's something you can do that nobody else can do. And I want to stress that. I just recently learned this idea. There's something that you can do that nobody else can do. That's a fact. See, see, God made you uniquely special with a gift, and that is to serve and exalt him in a way that nobody else can. Nobody else can. Look over just a few verses. Romans chapter 12, Look, starting in verse 3. I'm going to read through, through verse 6. It says, For by, by the grace given me, I say, every one of, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, and he goes into the gifts. But here's the point. See, we're all uniquely made in a way that only we can 
exalt him. He made us in a way to do that. And we need to discover what that is. Some of you older folks probably have already understood what that is. What is your gifting? We were talking about that this morning in Connect. There's a gifting that each one of us has. There's something that you can do. There's something that you have to offer that nobody else in this world can. Where you are right now in life, somebody needs something that you have. Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's a sister. Maybe it's a husband. Maybe it's a wife. Maybe it's an employee. Maybe it's an employer. There's somebody that you have something, you have a purpose you know, in the way you love them that's going to show them who God is. See, that's the point. Let's not forget that. The point is ultimately to exalt God in everything we do, in our relationships. Number three, we exalt God, number three, with our treasures. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 of Romans chapter 12 says, Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. We exalt God with our treasures. We share those things that are valuable to us and to others. Now that could be money, that could be time, that could be whatever your talent is. These things overlap in many ways. We share these things and see there's no hoarding allowed. You see, this occurred to me because going back to that pig, this is about the fourth, third or fourth one we raised. And the first couple of them, I thought, man, this is a lot of it's a lot of work, takes a lot of time, putting a lot of feed in these things. And I get a lot of pork chops. And, it's, and they're good, right? But when I first brought the first ice chest of, or two of meat home, and I started stuffing my freezer, and it was full, you know, and I, I, showed, I showed Gianni, I said, look at all this meat we have. You know, and she said, you ought to share some. I said, what do you mean, share it? We're going to eat. We're going to eat this. That was the point. That was why we did this, so we'd have meat to eat. Guess what? I hoarded the meat, and a year later, we're still chewing on that pork. You know, it gets old after a while. You can't eat that much pork. Here's the point. We share. We share what's valuable to us is valuable to other people. You know, we don't give them our junk. We give them what's best. We give them the, the cut with the with the fat on it, right? We give them the best. That's what God wants. That's how we love others, and that's the way we exalt God. See, it it points others towards him. We exalt God with our treasures. No hoarding allowed. And then last, we exalt God. We love him, and we love others by telling the truth. Look at verse 9. It starts by saying, love must be sincere. You know, this might be the hardest thing for us. It's hard to be truthful all the time. But you know what? That's what the world needs, and that's how we truly show people that we love them, when we tell them the truth. If they're going to hell, we don't have to say it like that, but we need to get the point across. We need to get the point across that the Lord loved them enough to die for them. We love him and we love others by telling the truth. And again, it's it's not always easy to do. The, The scripture says, Paul says in another place, that we should speak the truth in love. There's a combination of things going on right there. And we have to do them both. Sometimes it's easy to speak the truth, but it sounds harsh. It can sound rough. And sometimes the truth is rough. But when we do it in love, and we do it with the right motivation, it comes off a little easier. And then, we, then they feel like they have a confidant, right? 
They feel like they have somebody that they can talk to. And don't get me wrong. We're not the only ones with the truth here. Sometimes we need to hear the truth. And let me ask you, how do you like to receive it? You like to receive it with love, right? You like to hear it in a coming to you in a, in a loving way. That's how I like to hear it. If, if you want me to just shut off, talk to me ugly. I can talk to you ugly too. <laughs> but that, that's, not, that's not what the scriptures tell us. It says to speak the truth, but to speak it in love. That means no, no fakery. We have enough fakery in this world today. We hear it every day. We hear it from the people that we're close to. Let's tell them the truth. Let's remind them of what the truth is, but let's do it in a way that's loving. We're dealing with people's lives here. We happen to have the truth because God graced us with it. Now it's time for us to speak it to others, right? What about you? Are you exalting God in everything you do? See, that's the mark, y'all. That's why he created us. Every minute. Of, are you getting enough sleep? Are you functioning correctly? During the day? Is there a reason why you're not? What is it? That's just one example. But the mark is exaltation of the Lord all the time, 100% of the time. It's a choice we have. You see, we have been privileged with the choice of loving Him, of exalting Him, or not. The highest level of exaltation is this personally choosing the Lord Jesus Christ. That exalts him above everything else we can do. And then the rest of our lives follow through after that. Have you made that decision for Christ? You see, it was said this way, that the only unforgivable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You know what that is? When the Holy Spirit catches your attention and says, pay attention to who my son is, and you turn your back on him, that is unforgivable. So that is the utmost of not exalting God. Here on the other hand, we exalt him in the highest fashion by accepting his son as our personal savior. See, we all need him. Not, not, not one of us is perfect. You can, you can just go through it in your own mind. How often do you miss the mark? I don't want to count. You know what's good? I don't have to. I don't have to count. The Lord Jesus Christ died for me, gave his life for me, died for my sins. I recognize that I can't make it without him. I can't make it then on the initial decision, and I can't make it now through the rest of my life without him.